Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. It's always been a mystery in me how two hearts can come together and love can last forever. But now that I have found you, I God sends a perfect one. Now gone are all my questions about why, and I've never been so sure of anything in my life. Oh, I wonder what God was thinking when He created. When God made you, you must have been thinking about me. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Today is November 3rd, 2022, as we record this week in Bachelor Nation. Welcome back, Clues. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I uh, was out on a very important fact-finding mission to uh-huh. the Poetry Lounge. I've talked about it before on this show. I will talk about it again on this show. I haven't been in many years, but it was a place where I first saw Rudy Francisco, uh, who was a spoken word poet that I believe appeared in the last season of Bachelorette or the season before, maybe, when they had to do their mm-hmm. spoken word group date. And I have not been back to that place. It only occurs on Tuesday nights, and it was a very special occasion. So I decided I have to get this in. I have to check this out. Well, Jess and I spread some other rumors about what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, I listened. It was a very good episode, by the way. It was not getting any more back tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I just have the one, a giant dragon that covers from the base of my hairline all the way down to top of butt crack. Giant dragon. Can it be made into Popeye? Yeah, you could put his face on the dragon. No, it's a very small dragon that at this point just looks kind of like a black rectangle. It's all bled together and looks very bad. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to have you back for this twibbin. And before we get into it, we have a piece of business. Gray Sand Parks, a.k.a. The Dark Seeker, made a quiz for those of you in the pit who might need a little help deciding on what your archetype is. This she posted on our Instagram main grid at Game of Roses pod. You can take it. You can figure out whether you're more of a free spirit, light blue, a pageant queen, pink, villain, black, or professional Navy in our gorgeous new pit sweatshirts. I am wearing mine right now. It is so cozy. I have to say I've worn it. I've worn it a bunch as well. Uh, I've been peacocking around town in mine to no avail. No one has recognized it Mm. or me, but it is very comfortable. I have to say, I like a good hoodie. This is a good fucking hoodie. Mm -hmm. I love a hoodie with pockets so I can put my things and I don't have to carry a purse. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't even Mm -hmm. think about that. 
But we have another bit of business. As everyone knows, Paradise is coming to a close. We've only got a couple more weeks left of this season. We get to see which players will have translated their time in sand to a relationship, or at least a parasocial relationship, and which ones haven't. And then it's off. Then we're going to be in that off season. And so what Pace Case and I have decided to do for our Monday shows, or I guess Tuesday shows, what would have been the recap of a Monday Bachelor season that will come out Tuesday, Yes, we're going to recap Love is Blind Season 3. So if you yeah. haven't watched it yet, hold off if you want to watch it with us. We're going to be doing... Mm-hmm. I don't know how the math works exactly. We might have to recap a couple of episodes. We might have to condense a little bit to fit into the... Basically, the two months we'll have before Bachelor Season 27 starts airing. And of course, we're going to recap that every week. But in the interim, in the off season, our Tuesday episodes are going to be Love is Blind Season 3 recaps. We will still be doing the Twibbons on Friday. Yeah, still have Twibbons on Friday, still digging deepers and all that. But uh, our Tuesday episodes are going to be Love is Blind. And I do have a, a scream to some degree about this. But let me just say, we're only in Season 3 of this game, this other game. And it is very similar to Bachelor in many ways, slightly different in other ways. But there are game mechanics. There is a game being played here that is very similar to Bachelor. And um, I've been watching it a little bit. Again, we'll get to it on my screen. But uh, goddamn, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, I mean, I can't, I'm sure it's been my screams before. I think there are a lot of shows that use similar game mechanics to Bachelor. All of these shows are descendants of The Bachelor. And we're definitely going to be looking at it through that lens of how Love is Blind is this modern evolution of the dating game format. But some things are doing differently. For instance, I would say the casting definitely seems to be much more inclusive. If you've never watched it before, it is a much more diverse players. And... Yeah, if you've never watched it before, start in a couple weeks. We're going to do, well, we'll announce the exact date, but we will be doing the first episode uh, as soon as Paradise ends. So we hope you'll join us for that. And also just a quick shout out to a little musical group called New Song. That uh, musical styling you heard at the opening of our program (laughs) was a song by New Song called When God Made You. And that's the song that Madison Pruitt and Grant Trizzy Trout Walk down the aisle to this weekend. We, of course, are going to be covering that. Trendy chat. Ha, ha, ha. In Bachelor Nation news. But before we get to that, let's talk about Game, game of Roses. Roses. State game of the game. game. All right. As you guys know, I was not here for the recap, but I did watch all these episodes. I did still take the exact same style of notes. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> good to know that you did it regardless. Yeah, I did. Can't not do it. Uh, I did still give them out my awards. And I listened to you and Jess and your awards. They were all great. They were all uh, well-sourced. Every reasoning that you had, I thought was accurate. (laughs) They were well-sourced. Yes. Great. Great to hear. Thank you for your feedback. (laughs) My pleasure. I did have some different awards, but uh, I'm going to go through my awards and then also just talk about a few things that I thought were important to kind of hit in the the context of what this episode meant in the season of BIP 8 here and in the context of the game as a whole. So my awards were, error of the game was unfortunately Hayden Markowitz. Uh, shit-talking the two crowns from his season for no reason whatsoever on his one-on-one date. 
The Bachelor in Paradise is an opportunity for a, a wide variety of different styles of play and, and different things that you can do. But one of the biggest things that happens in Paradise is villains get a chance to reconcile their villain edit, to come back and, and turn the corner. And he just didn't do that. He opened the date by saying, here's all the bad shit I did. And by the way, fuck the two most recent Bachelorettes. This is a massive error. None. Of, it's an unforced we just saw last season what can happen to a villain who gets a redemption arc on sand, Thomas Jacobs, engaged to the first Paradise Royale, Becca Kufrin. Yes, exactly. And and here we see Hayden is not doing that well. I also thought that it was strange, as you and Jess did, that they keep shitting on the idea of him spending all this money to save his dog's life. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a noble thing? It's so strange to me. I think so. I yeah, that was strange. When Kate Galvin was like, this fucking guy spells money saving a dog, I'd let my dog fucking die. That's yeah. basically what she's saying. I would kill my like, dog Jesus for Christ. eight grand, no question. <laughs> so, I mean, anyway, they're also one. giving her a villain edit, so it's like, I'm not yeah. sure exactly what what take they were trying to give. But they certainly were trying to yeah. villainize that aspect. They're just throwing anybody a villain edit that they can at this point. This is, The mm-hmm. producers of The Bachelor are hell-bent on making everyone look like pure shit unless you are pre-scripted to not look like pure shit. And then, of course, they give you the good edits. Uh, my creature was the ants in the shower. And mm. I thought that, I mean, that whole thing about the messy players versus the non-messy players, I agree with what you and Jess said. It seemed very strange that they were trying to pit this these two rival groups against each other based on something that I don't even think happened. I, I agree with what you guys were saying that producers probably went in there and threw shit around. And we're like, look how messy they are. Do you think they brought in boxes of ants? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I do. Yep. And uh, I just don't know why they did it. I And it, it amounted to nothing even in the edit. It was like, why even have this in here? Nobody gives a fuck. Very weird, but I did love the creatures. No, it's not like it led to like some blow up of the two groups. Correct. It led to nothing. It was just, we have to pack in 16 episodes worth of screen time, throw something on the fucking screen, please. If we can't cut back to prior seasons or even give you the last five minutes of the shit you saw in the the prior fucking (laughs) portion. We're out of flashback time. We've already had 20 flashbacks in this episode. (laughs) This season is just a mess in its construction, but I did like the ants. My Jorge Moreno bystander of the week was Raul, the Sweat Lodge spirit guide. Like you guys were saying, we didn't have much of a choice, but he was a fucking good one. That takes nothing away from what Raul did. Loved every fucking moment on screen that he gave us. Uh, my face play was also, I think your face play, Shanae's black teeth. Yes. God damn it. I mean, now this is a big opportunity. You're given this weird prop to be bl- brushing your teeth with the charcoal or whatever, and she doesn't waste it. She knows what's Mm-mm. at stake here. We get excellent face play from Shanae Ankney with the uh, black toothpaste. Now, my play of the game and my MVP were different mm-hmm. from both of yours. Same kind of category, but my play of the game was Aaron Clancy's second fight with Genevieve Parisi, the one where they're, the whole player group is on the daybed, the one in front of everyone, because it it was so effective. It's a fight over nothing, as are all of his fights. I mean, this man is a genius. Let's just throw it out there. Aaron Clancy is a literal fucking genius at the highest level. Let's just throw it out there. We have to accept this. We have to acknowledge this. In Paradise, I don't think I've ever quite seen anyone like him. He understands the game of it so well. I'm never 
in a moment where I'm like, fuck, I hope he sticks around in paradise. It's like, oh, he's sticking around. He can make himself stick around if he wants. The producers will give him a producer rose if they need to. There's no way this fucking guy is leaving sand. And in this moment where he conjures a fight basically out of thin air over nothing with Genevieve Mm -hmm. Parisi to the degree that it makes all these other players be like, fuck, I'm getting out of here. They're fighting. The the escalation of it, the, the having the fight loudly, all of these are perfectly constructed pieces of basically a scene that he is scripting. I don't know if Parisi is in on this or not. I don't know if they've talked off camera about like, we need to start having some fights about nothing. If she's in on it, then then it's almost like a dynamic duo. But from what I saw, I think it's just Clancy orchestrating these things. And he gets essentially, it goes from all of the players sitting on this daybed together to a fucking solo performance. He gets that to happen by escalating it in both volume and intensity. Everyone melting off of the daybed. <laughs> it was unfucking believable. I've never seen such a thing. Because that daybed thing where they're all laying around together, that's producer manipulation. They tell them, all of you go on the fucking daybed. And Clancy is like, fuck this shit. I don't want to be in a group of all the other players. This is my show. Watch this. Hey, Genevieve, let's have a fight about nothing. And they all fucking scattered. It, God damn it, it was beautiful. You just don't see, in my opinion, you don't see players who have that level of like game acumen almost ever. Definitely not in Paradise, especially at this late level in Paradise where they're all ground down to fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. Their relationships are strong or they're not, but they're all just like doing dumb bullshit. I mean, everyone seems so tired at this point. It's like they're all just laying there and, you know, you can go the happy couple route. You can go the Brandon and Serena edit and, you know, you get what you get. But for what, you know, you coined the boomerang strategy of like you stick with your person and then you get in these huge blow up fights. That's what you want to watch. You want to watch the couple like like almost break up and get back together because they're truly meant to get to be together. Um, I personally think that Genevieve Parisi, like I think, of course, I think Aaron is in always in the conversation for MVP of this season but Genevieve, to me, this episode just stood out so much. She is the one who is starting the tear play. She is the one who did the runaway, pack your bags, make me stay. She's the one who initiated the love level three on the jungle path. For me, that's why she took MVP in this game. But I agree. It was it was definitely a joint effort. Yeah. I give my MVP to Clancy. For the exact like opposite reasons. Like, yes, she packed her bags, but he's the one who got her to turn around and come back to fucking paradise. If what I'm right. watching, when she's packing the bags, if that's real, if she really is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, then he's doing magic on the jungle path. Right. I don't even know if it is. Like, it was it? I don't either. They could both be acting. I don't really know. Uh-huh. But those are my awards. And now I just wanted to hit a few more points, a few general points. One, the mm-hmm. twins and how Florence and Shanae are reacting to them. Clearly, this is acting and producer-led. None of this is real. What? That they're interested? Not only that they're interested, Sinead literally said, and I don't remember which twin it was, the silver chain or the gold (sighs) chain, but she said, I've never felt this way about anybody or I've never had this kind of a connection with anybody. I wonder if they're just replaying her ITM, her saying that about multiple people. It's totally possible. But the the twins generally... uh, The whole thing is like, anybody who comes in this late in the game is never going to get a fair shake to fire them in there and then relentlessly make fun of their age and relentlessly Mm -hmm. make fun of the twins and shit. Just to me, 
did not work out. Also, where the fuck is Roby Sobieski? They're bringing back these <laughs> twins, but not a fucking literal magician. That's a fuck up by the producers. Where is he? I am surprised. I would think the magician bit would be up their alley. I agree with you. I don't know. Maybe they just don't like him. But uh, I also wanted to talk very briefly about this because this, to me, was a a turn in the game, generally speaking, the evolution of it. Kind of a new play that both two players relied on this. I'm talking about the strategies initiated by both Eliza and Kate when they are asked on dates by other people, even though they are in relationships with Rodney and Kate is with... uh, Logan. Logan. They both go to their guys and they say, I got asked on this date. What do you think about that? And both of their guys say, you need to explore, do what you need to do, and we'll see what happens after it. They're they're playing the, like, really, it's, it's the um, process card. They're saying, like, that's what paradise is. Mm-hmm. You need to go on the state and see what you think about it. And then if you come back to me, it's meant to be. And both of these women <laughs> get pissed at their guys for not saying, fuck you, don't go, for not mm-hmm. being possessive. This play is effectively a perfect play from both of the women because no matter what the guy says you go to them and you say i got asked on a date what do you think about that if the guy says you should go on the date your reaction is i want a guy who tells me not to go on the date if they say don't go on the date your reaction is i want a guy who's going to let me explore things that's what paradise is it's a perfect play to get the screen time to get the screen time and to potentially eliminate that relationship if you want to there is no way Mm. you can play this improperly if you initiate the I was just asked on a date. What do you think? If you do that play, there's nothing that you can then do to fuck it up. It's always on the other person and you can use that in a utility way that's it's basically unbeatable. That's so funny. Because I was just like, this is like wanting a controlling person. Like, why yeah. would you want that? But if it is play, if it is like, I'm going on this date regardless and I need a mm-hmm. reason to, it's genius. Yeah, I think it is that. I mean, it 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 comes across like flat to me. I don't buy it from either Eliza or Kate. But in terms of the mechanical use of it, what you're going to get in the edit is, well, I wanted this thing and he gave me the opposite thing. And you can use that. You can apply it to either way. No matter what their answer is, you can always get that edit that the guy or whoever. I mean, a guy could use the strategy too. We just happened to see it, I think, with two women. Mm-hmm. Any player can use this strategy. And then be like, well, that person didn't do the thing that I wanted them to do, so I'm going on the date. I thought it was brilliant. And I don't think we've ever seen it back-to-back like this. And I don't know that it's uh, ever been like this kind of like specifically expressed, you know? So I'm curious to see if we start to see this type of shit in Paradise more and more. I mean, there's definitely... It's like, I don't know how much into the weeds you want to get, but there is like specific mechanics and traditions that people do in terms of getting asked out on dates. Are you going to your partner before you say yes? Some people do this. Some people don't. Some people get in trouble for it. Some people don't. Are you specifically saying, I want to keep my options open? Or are you just trying to put it on the other person and be like, you decide and then pivot? Well, see, there's there's something that not, neither of these players did. They both answered affirmative to the date. They both said, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. Then they went to go talk to the guy. Mm-hmm. What you do is to get the most screen time out of it, the most value out of this play if you're in this situation is they ask you to go on the date. You say, oh, man, you know, I'm interested, 
but I have to talk to someone first. You leave them on the hook. So it's now created a whole narrative for you to then go talk to that person, manipulate that conversation however you want to. And then you go back (laughs) to the other person to tell them yes or no. And if it's no, then that person has to now spin out and find somebody else. You just create more drama. You create more screen time for yourself. That is what they should have done here. But this is kind of a new play. Um, at least in terms of this volume, to see it back to back like this was very interesting. I do think talking to the person first, then it covers your bases. And it's not like you saying, oh, let me let me have a conversation first. It's not like you still hold that spot. You still have that invite yes. no matter how long it takes you. Unless the the date, <laughs> if the date inviter, if the person who offers the date after you tell them like, hang on, let me go talk to somebody. That person could then do one of these exact same plays. It's like, I don't want a person that when I ask them on a date says, let me go talk to somebody. I need a person who says yes right away. I'm going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because then you just like, you can make it for TRR either way. You're like, this is what I need in a person. Like, these are my boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was a very beautiful uh, thing to watch. I, Like I said, I hope we get to see more of that. I hope we get to see more nuanced versions of it. And I think ultimately it could become a staple kind of system of asking and receiving the date cards in the future for Paradise. What do you think is the best response for someone who has asked that? Do you think it is the ultimatum or do you think it is the options open? I think if if I'm asked the question, like if somebody mm-hmm. came to me and said, I'm going, I got to ask on the state, what should I do? I would say something like this. If you decide to stay here, this is your decision. But if you decide to stay here with me, I think that would be incredible because I've already made my decision, but I don't want my decision to affect your decisions. I want us both to come to our own decisions. I would say something mm-hmm. like that to paint them back in the corner. So it's basically like, oh, fuck. Now I'm the one who has to make the right decision in this. Yeah. You know, you can always reverse that. Like, I'm looking for a specific decision. What is your decision? You can always reverse it back on people. It could be an an endless cycle of, well, I'm thinking about doing something, but I need to know about what you're thinking about what I might be thinking about doing something. (laughs) The hot potato. (laughs) The 4TWR hot potato. I also think you could be like, well look, I've cooked up a little something if you do decide to do the date here, but if you don't want to do it today, we can do it tomorrow. Or you go, it's my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, you're really going to go on a date on my birthday? (laughs) I don't think you ever want to get in a situation where you're like laying ultimatums and you're Mm -hmm. seeming controlling. But I think you can kind of answer that question in a 50-50 where you're like, look, I want you to stay here. I'm very into you. But I also understand that you got asked on this date. And, you know, part of a strong relationship is that we both come to it together. So it's really about what you feel. Do you feel you need to go on this date? Turn it back on him. I like it. Ten-dimensional chess, baby. (laughs) That's right. That's just my two cents on all of this. Um, I wish we could see clues on sand. It'll never happen. I am A, too old. B, way too fucking buff. I do not need to be putting all those other guys to shame. And see, any exposure to sunlight beyond 45 (laughs) seconds will render me a pile of dust. But see, I think that's a funny character for Sand. 
somebody like who hates who has, every has element just, of paradise. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Taj Wan character. Like, it's too yeah. hot. Like, you have to go in the hut or you have to stay in the boom boom room. And yeah. you're just like, or you bring some sort of umbrella setup. I'm a night player. I only come out after the sun goes down. Then I emerge and I do my dark deeds. But let's now, let's move on. That is the state of the game. Now we're going to move on to that portion of our program where we talk about all the movements across the ratings and Instagrams and TikToks of our favorite players. This is... This Week in Games. We begin our Games segment as we begin it every week by discussing the ratings. This week delivered the second worst Monday night rating and the worst Tuesday night rating so far through the entire season. The Monday episode of our beloved game pulled in a 0.49 this week, which was down about 15% from last week's Monday episode. And it pulled in 2.31 million overall viewers, down about 2% from last Monday's show. The Tuesday episode brought in a 0.49 demo rating with 2.3 million viewers total, down about 22% in that demo from last Tuesday. Our beloved game came in third uh, Tuesday night across the four major networks, losing out to game three of the World Series on Fox, another game, and The Voice on NBC... (laughs) But it did beat out FBI and CBS and the professionals on the CW who did manage to bring the heat with a 0.1 this week up 100% from last week's 0.0. Congrats (laughs) to the professionals. I personally think these low ratings might have had something to do with Halloween and definitely the World Series. Oh, absolutely Halloween. And now for the top five Instagram games of the players of this Bachelor in Paradise season. Excuse you, what? The gold medal in gains goes to Victoria Fowler. She gained 19,000 Instagram followers this week for her options open into all eggs play, bringing her to 635K followers total. The silver medal in gains goes to... Genevieve Parisi. She gained 14K this week for her play of the game, Make Me Stay, LL3 and Double, Bad Mom slash Pace Case MVP status, which landed her at 172K followers total. The bronze medal in gains goes to Sifico Sippin' Aaron Clancy. He gained 10K for his Clues MVP status and play of the game and Love Level 3. He's at 254K total. Fourth place goes to Johnny DeFilippo. He added 7.4K total followers this week for his all eggs on Fuller and rivalry with Alex, bringing him to 39.7K total. And fifth place goes to Serene Russell. She added 7K this week for her 4TRR sweetheart couple status, bringing her to 110K total. And the top five total Instagram chart for November 3rd, 2022. We got good girl Victoria Fuller sitting on top of the mountain with 635K. That was a reference to something we'll talk about coming up. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, governor of paradise. Andrew Spencer's in a distant second place at 325K. Michael Olio, a.k.a. Zaddy Grocery Store, a.k.a. Him and Maltby now are just like the fucking colorful narrators. The whole guy. That's all they're doing is just like, well, this relationship is crazy. How about that one? I don't know. The other thing he's doing is making inaccurate relationship predictions, which are always that he thinks the person is going to stay with them. (laughs) Yeah, always. But that's like producer-led. Anyway, Olio is at 308K total in third place. You know what's not in need of resuscitation? 
Danielle Maltby's Instagram stats. Uh, she is in fourth with 279K total. And rounding out the top five is Sifico Sippin' Jungle Path LL3 er. And in my opinion, maybe the best Paradise player of all time, Aaron Clancy. Oh my God. At 254K, finally pushing out game icon Lace Morris. I just, he's playing in a bad era. Mm-hmm. If, like, can you imagine Clancy in like Bachelor in Paradise? Six, five, four, three, any of those? I mean, I would say he would be kind of like a Baylock Eye character. Maybe. I don't know. He's got something different. Because I don't think Baylock Eye understood how to manipulate the edit or the producers. You know what I mean? (laughs) Clancy understands this game so fucking well. The catchphrases. I mean, he's just, he's, he's incredible. And I think he is suffering in this. I mean, whatever. He's got 254K. I don't even know if you can get a million K being an Aaron Clancy in the contemporary game. A million, uh, not a million K, but a million followers. I think he's doing the best he can possibly do in the contemporary era. I just think his play is at another level. There's nobody doing what he's doing. Not close. Not going to argue with you. Thank you. Now for the top five TikTok chart. We have Brittany Galvin in first with 143K. Victoria Fuller is in second place with 126.5K. Andrew Spencer has 87.8K in third. And Big Body Trash Can's creator, Aaron Clancy, (laughs) is at fourth place with 63.2K. I think the Big Body Trash Can would take offense to that. His creator, of course, is Jesus Christ. Speaking of resurrections, resurrector (laughs) Justin Glaze is in fifth at (laughs) 43.8K. <laughs> and that rounds out all the gains that we have to report on. Now we're going to move on to reporting some of those tits. Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black, waistband you want that you don't want it to be rolling you don't want it to be showing and i'm hooked i don't want to wear anything else it's all got to go now well this ad actually is kind of about that pace case everybody knows me undies <laughs> makes great underwear it's in the name me undies but it's not just about underwear you can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers hoodies onesies and a whole bunch more and their move me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market there's no doubt about it Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry irritated skin and that about 85 percent of the united states uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine that's where canopy's new filtered shower head comes in 
Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists... Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News. Superstar professional Christian player from Bachelor Season 24, Madison Pruitt, has officially entered into the legal contract of marriage with billionaire Christian Drake (laughs) fan Grant Trout, a.k.a. Trizzy. The couple sold the photography and coverage rights to their wedding to People Magazine, and we thought we would open news today by sharing with you exactly how people covered it. So we are here going to read verbatim the official people coverage of what is arguably the most important wedding in the history of the nation. Again, we're going to read this verbatim because I think it's important to see how this is covered. They sold this. They got money for this. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of pictures, the exclusive photos, and this is the article that was written about it in people verbatim. Here we go. Bachelor alum Madison Pruitt marries Grant Trout in romantic Texas ceremony. The couple exchanged vows in front of 400 loved ones at Grant Trout's parents' home in Dallas, Texas by Dory Jackson, who covers a lot of the bachelor weddings and stuff for people. Madison Pruitt has married the man of her dreams. I just, that first sentence. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a stinger. (laughs) I have not read this yet. The former Bachelor contestant wed Grant Trout on Saturday at his parents' home in Dallas, Texas. The pair exchanged vows in front of 400 friends and family members, including Bachelor Nation favorites Victoria Fuller, Hannah Ann Sluss, and Kelly Flanagan. 
We chose this location because it's unique and special to us, and having all of our friends and family there means so much. Pruitt 26 exclusively tells people of the celebration, which was photographed by Megan K. Photography and filmed by The Crakes. I have always wanted to get married in the fall, and we wanted a short engagement, so it couldn't be more perfect. The romantic occasion comes three months after Pruitt and Trout's whirlwind engagement, which occurred just eight months into their relationship. They worked with Whitney Bailey of Engaged Events to create an unforgettable romantic evening event. Sorry, For Pruitt, it was crucial that her wedding was, in quotes, as unique to me as possible, though she did borrow some decor inspiration from a fellow Bachelor Nation star. Raven Gates Gottschalk also got married in Dallas, and we are using the same florist, Something Pretty Florals. She shares of Gates Gottschalk, who was also in attendance for the ceremony. Hers was stunning, so we got a lot of inspiration from that. Pruitt held a bridal brunch a day before Saturday's wedding, and along with Trout, a 26-year-old speaker and minister to athletes and churches, the couple hosted a rehearsal dinner Friday evening for family and friends. Getting ready for the big day ahead, Pruitt wore a special customized robe from Victoria's Secret, featuring her new last name on the back. Hmm, she has a new last name. Clues, huh? Yeah, but is she going to use it in her ministry? Hell nah. That is interesting. I think I want to bet. I want something. Back to the article. As she got her hair and makeup done, her bridal party, which was comprised of two maids of honor and six bridesmaids, also wore comfy cami sets from Victoria's Secret before slipping into their gowns from the bar. Pruitt's hair was done by her trusted stylist, Chrissy Rasmussen from The Habit Salon. The reality star couldn't imagine having anyone else do my hair for my wedding day, she says. As for her makeup, she recruited makeup by Natalie Moss for the task because the artist always makes her, in quotes, feel glamorous while still feeling like myself. So genuine, so real. That part is not in there. So genuine, so real, I added, sorry. Pruitt walked down the aisle to... When God Made You by New Song, that's what we played at the top of this, wearing a custom-made dress by Nardos Design. The brand specially created all her wedding weekend looks, and the musical duo Caleb and Kelsey sang during the ceremony. At the reception, Pruitt and Trout's classy and elegant theme continued. The tables were decorated with florals arranged by Something Pretty Floral, as well as candles and charger plates with menus on top. The menus were designed by Sincerely Addison, who also designed the couple's invitations, seating chart, and programs. Jordan Kahn served as the reception band, but when they shared their first dance, Pruitt and Trout danced to Set of Two by Brandon Lake. Guests were also treated to an assortment of food, including beef tenderloin and herb-roasted chicken. It actually says in the thing, herb-roasted roasted chicken. But the pair's wedding cake was the star of the show. In quotes, I wanted our wedding cake to be the centerpiece of our reception. I chose to keep it all white with gold details, she shares. I had heard about fancy cakes, capital fancy cakes. This is a cake place. Fancy cakes by Lauren and was told she was the best. When Grant and I did our cake tasting, not only did they taste amazing, but she was also able to make my vision come to life. At the end of the day, Pruitt and Trout are aware their day wouldn't have been a success without their families fully in their corners. Truly, none of this would have been possible without the support of our families. They mean the world to us, and we feel so grateful for all of their help during this time. After the wedding, Pruitt says the newlyweds will be spending two nights in Dallas and then going to Cabo for a week, which she's so excited for. But more importantly, the newlyweds cannot wait to see what the future has in store for them. What we are most excited for is a lifetime together, she concludes. We are most looking forward to walking out God's purpose for our life together. We can't wait to get plugged into a local church and host community in our new home. 
And that's the end. That's how people cover this. This is a fucking laundry list of SpawnCon. Mm-hmm. That's the whole article is, here's who did the cake, here's who did the hair, here's who did the flowers, did the fucking whatever. The flowers also, by the way, was another Bachelor player. Raven got in the fucking article. I mean, this shit is fucking bananas. And again, all of this paid for uh, to Madison Pruitt and Grant Trout. And no shade, make your money or whatever, but also keep in money, keep in mind, he's a billionaire. This guy's mm-hmm. a, a billionaire. The, I don't know if you've seen the pictures to this shit. This uh, taking place in, in his parents' backyard. I mean, this shit is fucking insane. I did not know it was a backyard. I can't. I, it was the longest, um, what do you call it? Path of pain. <laughs> <laughs> as long as path of pain I've ever seen at a wedding. Like she yeah. walked down the thing for so long. I also, we do need to address the, the veil. Yeah, I can't believe that was not in this. There are images of her wearing this veil that embroidered along the bottom of it. It says, worth the wait. And apparently this is inspired by Haley Bieber wore a similar thing that had embroidered. Yeah, <laughs> you said not worth the wait. Haley like. Bieber said, till death do us part. Not worth the wait, though. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, till okay. <laughs> it's a wedding thing. Uh but saying worth the wait is like, I don't, it, to me, that was like something that like The Bachelor would have made her dress in. Like, look at my PVC card, like, or my PVC, like, I'm a virgin. And also, how do you know it's worth the wait if you still haven't had sex yet? Worth that she's talking about, the value here is not about his sexual prowess. It is about his money. It's about the love. No, it's about the money. Oh. Love. I she's basically saying I held my virginity for this long and now I'm getting paid for it. In my opinion. <laughs> just my opinion. Just one man's opinion. That's one read. <laughs> it's yeah, that was a, a strong, a strong choice. What would your veil say on your wedding day? Maybe none of this is real or none of this is real. That's a good one for you. I just think that the coverage of this was very interesting. Again, they sold this to people. They got paid for this. Mm-hmm. And that article is just listing all of the different vendors that they used for this wedding, which means those vendors probably did it for free so they could get coverage in people and whoever else is going to cover this. So it's all just this this giant thing to make them even more money. He's a billionaire. 100%. We'll get to it in parasocial plays, but a list of their vendors is coming up again. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely insane to me that they want to do this or that they're announcing shit on Amazon Live, that they had a fucking registry, which we bought them a very beautiful gift for. How do you think you become a billionaire? You have to make money, Chad. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> he doesn't. Trizzy doesn't. Grant Trizzy Trout. Ha ha ha. He doesn't have to make any money. His dad made all that money. They're having this fucking <laughs> wedding in the in the backyard with 400 people at this wedding, very comfortably seated. I don't think I've ever lived in any home that could seat 400 people at all without stacking people on top of shoulders and heads. You know, it's just there's something about it that is like they can't be that oblivious to it. And it's in the source. Well, I did grow up in the source. I assume his his family lives in Highland Park, which is like the where the real rich people Mm. live in, in Dallas. But I... The idea that they are oblivious to the fact that they're asking people for money on their registry or on Amazon or what any of this shit, spawn conning, it is a strange thing for me to reconcile because on the one hand, 
it's like they're a billionaire. They shouldn't be asking anybody for any money at any point. On the other hand, her whole life is being an influencer and she's worked very hard to be able to influence in these ways. And she does have 2.3 million, I think, TikTok and she's at 1.7 Instagram. Like that's, she's doing that for a reason. It's to be a fucking, a powerhouse influencer. Mm -hmm. And so shouldn't she be able to do this shit? I'm very torn by it because I also want to see her doing this shit. Yeah, as her manager, as her unpaid manager who she doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But it's also like kind of gross that they're fucking, you know, asking us to buy a rubber coated toilet brush for their new home. And, And also gross that we bought it, I guess, and sent it to them. I prefer not to make a moralistic judgment of either action. <laughs> no, I know, but I, I'm not trying to make a moralistic judgment either. I don't think Trizzy Trout is like, you know, you're born into this shit. Like, what choice do you really have? I'm not like saying they're bad people or anything. It's just that this, the idea of it, what we're witnessing. Yeah, it's if like Elon Musk's daughter had a registry. Yes, exactly. So at any rate, let's move on. In lesser nation wedding news, Astrid Locke and Kevin Went were married as well this weekend in Florida. Locke and Went were engaged in August of 2019 after their romance on sand in BIP season five back in 2018. They had their son in November of 2021, who they named August. There were 100 guests joining the couple to celebrate their promise to die together. And there were some high profile members <laughs> of the nation among them. Rachel Lindsay, Bela Kai, Alexis Waters, Christina Schulman, and Whitney Francois all bore witness to the glory of this holy matrimony. Congrats to Locke and Went, despite being lesser-known players in our beloved game. Time will tell if the franchise will ever recognize them as the Bachelor royalty they now clearly are. I mean, he is. He's the bartender on Canada. But they're also a married couple that came from paradise. Right. That is Bachelor royalty. I mean, at least some of the other ones have been lauded as that, you know? Do they have enough followers to get that designation from the Dark Lord? I don't know. The... Lovable Dingbat is in the news this week. The Bachelorette Season 19 co-crown has been giving some signals to the nation that might indicate a split with her ring winner and high school... Oh my God, I'm not reading this. Uh, And Eric Schwer. After Wendy had noticeably been sporting a bare ring finger for the past two weeks on Dancing with the Stars, French beret model was asked if she and Schwer are still together. And she responded by saying, life is just really busy for the both of us right now. So I understand their concern, but we're just kind of, you know, going forward with each of our individual interests and supporting each other from afar. Shore has been seen in the ballroom at tapings of Dancing with the Stars earlier this month, but was absent from Monday's show. But he did take to his Instagram stories to encourage his followers to vote for Wendy. We wish the best for both Wendy and Schwer, but from the information provided, it seems at least to me like an amicable split post might be appearing in both of their main grids as soon as this season of Dancing with the Stars comes to a close. Any thoughts? If I were on Dancing with the Stars, I am not settling for anything less than the parasocial content that parasocial powerhouse couple Jason Tardick did for Caitlin Bristow. He made reels and reels of content for her during Dancing with the Stars about her whole journey, including their creatures together. He helped her get that win. And to see this in contrast of like, he's so supporting from afar. Yeah. Vote for Gabby. Doesn't seem, I mean, yeah, these are usually signals. Um, But if they are together, he needs to step it up parasocially. (laughs) 
Couldn't agree with you more. Up next in Bachelor Nation news, a bit of a spoiler for Bachelor in Paradise. It regards Victoria Fuller. If you don't, if you already know what we're talking about, feel free to keep listening. If you don't and you want to keep it that way, fast forward around five minutes or so. One of the biggest narrative producers are spinning in BIP season eight involves the Victoria Fuller, Alex Bordikoff, Johnny DeFilip love triangle currently unfolding on Monday and Tuesday nights. But the outcome of these two potential paradise relationships has already been revealed thanks to photos and videos that have surfaced of Fuller with none other than villain third place finisher from Bachelorette season 17, Greg Grippo. Footage obtained by Reality Steve shows Fuller and Grippo on October 25th together in Rome, enjoying what certainly appears to be a romantic getaway, seemingly. In reaction to the story breaking, Fuller took to her Instagram stories to say, Hello, just wanted to say thank you for all the support this week. I love you all, and it just means a lot to me. And in the comments section of Bachelor Nation Scoop's post of the video, Victoria added, Mind ya damn business. As rumors swirled about the pair's status, Greg was caught posting and subsequently deleting a comment that read, Good girl on Victoria's November 1st Instagram video. In that clip, Victoria posed in a curve-hugging black dress, and the caption in it read, Go on and put on that dress that all the bad boys like with a heart emoji. She was referencing lyrics in Zach Bryan's Oklahoma Smoke Show song. We don't know what the future holds for these two, but the producers certainly can't be happy about them blowing the outcome of a carefully designed love triangle in the current season of BIP. I gotta say, I don't like spoilers. I like this spoiler. Me too. <laughs> Good girl. Oh, that is... I mean... Yes. <laughs> Sent the nation into a tizzy. That's all I'll say. It absolutely did. <laughs> and I don't know what the contracts are with players in terms of like, can you be seen publicly dating other people while your season is airing? That type of shit. Mm -hmm. But I have to think they try to lock that down. And here you got two fucking players just saying, fuck you. I absolutely think they lock it down. But I am like, I don't know. It's a bachelor person. It's got the nation talking about bachelor. Maybe it is a positive for them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This is the end of our spoilers, by the way, if you are tuning back in. And finally, in Bachelor Nation news, a real happy birthday goes out to Lace Morris. She legitimately turned 33 on Thursday. We hope this next year brings peace and love and perhaps that crown that she has demanded. I'm older than Lace Morris? <laughs> what? Me too. Oh my God. Join the club. I feel like I've been watching her since I was a little kid, but I guess not. <laughs> and now it's time to move on to that part of our show where we talk about all the moves that our favorite players are making off the field and on their screens on our screens this is the parasocial play 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 of the week sixth place finisher on pot peter Popeye Weber's 24th Bachelor season, Kelly Flanagan posted an image of her solo at the Prue Trout Extravaganza with the caption, one of the most beautiful weddings for the most beautiful bride. Hashtag, it's about trout time. It scooped 59K likes and Popeye commented, where's Peter? <laughs> and that made me lol. <laughs> so good. Katie Thurston lip synced to Taylor Swift's anti-hero on her reel singing, 
It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me in a runaway bride Halloween taught. The caption reads, why I'm still hashtag single, hashtag runaway bride, hashtag Taylor Swift, hashtag Halloween, running human emoji, breath blowing emoji, church emoji or house <laughs> emoji or something, person with a thing on their head emoji. And the real got 684K views. Fantastic work. <laughs> I don't know these emojis. Ashley and Jared Iaconetti's coffee shop, Audrey's The Coffee Lounge, promoted Nick Vial's book with an interesting reel between Jared Iaconetti and Clues' great one. In it, the caption reads, everyone with dating problems, and Jared holds up Nick's book to his face and, and lip syncs, you better fix my entire life, you little shit. The reel got 43.2K views on IG. Kira and Romeo took our advice and kept the kidnapped or relationship storyline going with a new joint Instagram reel in which Kira has Romeo stowed away in her trunk. The reel has 3.4K likes and 84K views. Kendall Long and her paramour, Mitch, posted a joint Instagram post in which they're eating a pretzel on a beach to announce they're moving to Germany for two years. Thought this was a very interesting play after the whole Bachelor in Paradise storyline in which Kendall refused to leave Los Angeles to move to Chicago with grocery store. Oh, this was definitely a rub it right in your face type play. Love to see it. Sarah Hamrick uh, made light of her difficult journey on sin with a TikTok to the Negroni Spagliato sound in which she says, how does paradise go for me? You really like a guy? Then he dumps you for your friend. Then your grandma dies. The <laughs> caption reads, almost paradise. <laughs> Great one. Trizzy Trout. Ha ha ha. Maddie Prue made her first wedding post, a three slide image offering with the caption, it's like heaven knew I needed you. 102922. Hard emoji, vendors, photography, planning, dress and veil, videography, hair, makeup, floral, ceremony singers, reception band, bridesmaid dresses, cake, stationery, furniture rentals, live painter. The image post has 522K likes and 2K comments. Her wedding reel garnered an astounding 2.7 million views and 211K likes. The video pulled in an additional 1.7 million views on TikTok. God. She's just astounding. But there can be only one winner. And our pair social play of the week goes to Blake Belakai Horseman. He and his girlfriend from Love is Blind season one, Giannina Gibelli, this reality TV power couple dressed up as one another at the end of their respective reality dating show seasons for Halloween and then acted them out in an Instagram reel. Blake sprinkles fake sweat on Giannina's dress while she's dressed as him as she sobs over Becca Kufrin in the Bachelorette finale. Then dressed in a blonde wig and wedding dress, as Giannina runs away and falls to the ground in the dirt. The reel has 69.6K likes and 1.4 million views. This reel had everything you could want in a Halloween-taught parasocial play, emotions, humor, wigs. It also transcended two behemoth reality shows' audiences. I mean, just fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It was easily the best Halloween play, parasocial play of anybody in the nation. Like, hands down. It, it was stunning. It is... It's simple, but it's so funny. And like, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I don't know what else to say. I applaud them. 
I can't wait to see what other content they create. I, think. I agree. I mean, we're I mean, we're talking about Love is Blind. It's like it is a huge fucking show. And for Baylock guy to team up with Giannina, it's incredible. Love to see it. It doesn't have the depth yet parasocially of Bachelor because Bachelor's had so many years and a lot of players are in the million club. But the big players that are coming off Love is Blind are bigger than Bachelor parasocially. It's a, like Bachelor Nation has the pit. It has the fervored. Yeah. <laughs> it has a fervored nation. Love is Blind. I don't even know what you call them. It's just starting out. It's just starting out. But I think it's going to get big, too. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I think you're going to start to see seasons coming where they bring people back and shit like that, you know, Ooh, and they're like, you can't use your yeah. first name. And then people recognize their voice and be like, oh, my God, are you whatever? And <laughs> that kind of shit. I think they'll start fucking with the format a little bit like they're about to enter their experimental stage. I think next season, probably. Well, if it's like Bachelor, they will. Season four. That's where you start messing around. Exactly. But. Uh, we're going to move on now to the parasocial creature of the week, of course. These are the non-human friends that we have in our nation. We had Riley Christian and his pup Roscoe dressed up as superheroes for Halloween. Very cute. But the winner of the parasocial creature this week comes from Bachelorette 18 and official Warner Brothers podcast host Michelle Young and her dog Chief. They did a cute dance to Megan Trainer's major look. Chief in this little video is in a hoodie and he's wearing matching sunglasses with his mom, perfectly positioned, staring right back into the camera. Excellent parasocial gaze, even from behind the shades. This video has 
8,814 likes and 69 comments. Congrats to Michelle Young. Congrats to Chief. I love this video. It's so cute. And I also just love to see Michelle Young is really leaning into her new influencer career and she is making better and better content and teaming up with people, teaming up with creatures. I love to see it. Absolutely. She's learning. And I think in no time flat is going to be one of the best parasocial players that we've seen in a very long time. Now it's time for Pace Case and I to move on to the final segment of our program where we descend deep into the darkness of the very bottom of the pit to issue forth our screams about how our fandom of the show is affecting our lives on a daily basis. This is Screams from the Pit! My scream has to do with our Tuesday game, or I guess it came out Wednesday, our game breakdown that I did with Jess Ambrose, a.k.a. the bad mom of the Chatty Broads. I was a huge fan of Becca Martinez on Ari Lyondyke's Bachelor season. I thought what she did in the game was extraordinary. I thought she was one of the most charismatic people that we've ever seen through the game. And she was so young and there was all this stuff relating to her being missing, being on a weed farm, all this stuff that that added to her intrigue. And so (laughs) when she started this podcast, Chatty Broads, I followed along and I listened to Chatty Broads and I instantly became a fan of Jess Ambrose. And it was, my scream is more of a, is more of a savoring gift because it was such a delight to actually do a recap episode with her. We've had her on the pod before, but, and we went on Chatty Bros and, and Chatty Broads before, but doing, having Jess do our game breakdown using our terminology to describe these things, plus her own, like, I'm constantly astonished and entertained by her different takes. Like, for instance, when she went down this long thing about how she doesn't think bugs are real. (laughs) And I'm just like, it was, I know she was trying to like kind of be a little cluesy in, but in her own just way. And I just, I'm just so appreciative that I got to do this with a person that I considered to be iconic and who has been like a great mentor to us through entering the podcast podcasting space. And I'm excited to see her next, her next venture with her hubby. Yeah. I listened to the podcast, obviously. And I felt very similarly to you that it was like, fuck you and me created this weird lexicon, these terms, you know, we see the game terms and we do plays of the game and Jorge Moreno's and to hear Jess Ambrose saying like who her face play of the game was. (laughs) It was just mind blowing. And it is one of those moments where it's like, fuck, we've been doing this for a minute now, a couple of years under our belt. And it's taken us to different places and allowed us to talk to different people and whatever. <laughs> and these moments every once in a while will peek through where you're like, wait a minute, Jess Ambrose is is talking about the face play of the game. What is going on? It's so surreal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'm dissociating a little bit. Um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. You know, yeah. we definitely missed you, Clues, but I, I was appreciative. No, I missed doing it as well, but I, I was astounded to hear what you guys were able to do and can't thank Jess enough for filling in. She was hilarious as always. And she has the funniest child in existence. Yeah. She's going to be, I think a big star, Amber. <laughs> anyway, 
My scream this week is not even about, it's tangentially about our beloved game, but it's more about another game. Love is Blind. We've talked about it a little bit in this episode. We're going to mm-hmm. be doing those recaps. I have been binging it for pleasure this season three. And I will say, I felt a little bit of a, who was it that said they felt like they were cheating on somebody, Victoria Fuller? I felt similarly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. While I was watching it, I'm like, fuck, am I doing a bad thing here? Wait, have you watched the other seasons? Yeah, I I did, but not in the same way that I'm doing it now. I was watching the other seasons as just like a TV show. This time when I'm watching it, for whatever reason, the game is there. I, I see the structure now. Yeah, it struck you in a different way. Interesting. I see it very much like The Bachelor. And I mean, there are a couple other game mechanics that The Bachelor doesn't have. There are a lot that are similar, you know, but I saw it as a game. I was doing stats and shit in my head. And I was like, why is this person doing this? Nobody was issuing, for example, a... Uh, what I consider to be like a defense, a, a process defense to when somebody steps to you and is like, why the fuck did you do this? There are ample amount of times that any of these players could be like, well, we're in a weird situation and it made me do crazy mm-hmm. shit. Sorry. None of them are saying that. And I'm like, they don't know how to play the game yet. I think even the players, it's still at like an early enough phase where like they don't see the strategies. And I think strangely, we have a unique opportunity to get in on this one at the ground fucking floor and influence it almost immediately. So that is going to be very fun. Yeah, I think we're just starting to see players go in and be like, I'm going to get engaged no matter what, which is what you have yeah. to do. But even that, like seeing what the villains are and and the victims and who's really coming out of it on top parasocially, so far it's been... Wait, don't tell me. Look, I've only watched the pod portion so far, and now I'm thinking I'm going to hold off. I'm not spoiling season three. I'm saying in season mm-hmm. one, the real parasocial victors were Lauren Speed and what's that guy's guy. name? Cameron, whatever. <laughs> Cameron. Yeah. They became the massive social media stars. Season two, it was Deep D, who was really the biggest victim of that season. So you've got stay together or become a big victim. That seems like sound strategy. I don't know what season three will hold. But anyway, my scream is that when I was watching this other game, I saw in it the early, early phases of Bachelor. the Those first like one, two, three seasons, you know, the classic seasons. And I started to just kind of piece together in my head what different strategies could be and all this shit. And I really was like, fuck, am I, am I now doing this on another game? The answer is no. Love is Blind is an extension of The Bachelor. Love is Blind is like its cousin or something. It's an evolution. It doesn't exist without The Bachelor. And there's so much Bachelor in it that it to me is just, it's almost like they could be, The Bachelor could be producing this as like a variant or something, you know? I feel like those shows are all dating games because you're dating people, but the real prize is Instagram followers at this point. But they have like fantasy suites. They have hometowns. They have these elements of our beloved game that are still there. No, they're definitely like derivations of it in a way. I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about it in our love is blind episodes, but I did. I've, I never, I, we've only talked about love is blind in me bringing it up with you before. And you've been like, yeah, yeah. But I do feel like I've seen something sparked in you this week where you were just like bringing it up. And I was like, Oh my God, clues is in another pit. <laughs> He's there. I don't, but I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't think it's another pit. I think it's the same pit because there's so much that's similar. Like, yes, it's different players and different producers. But like the thing that really sparked me, I think, was seeing the producer manipulation. Just be like, Uh I can see through the screen now. 
And I see the other side of it and I'm like, oh, these fucking people are getting wrecked in almost the exact same way that that Bachelor producers are doing. Yeah, and they have their own sauce wars going on. I, I mean, know. There was a player from <laughs> last season who said that they were withholding food from her, basically. And, yeah. you know, I saw Lauren Speed was tweeting that they had a bunch of black women in the promos, but didn't... They're all fake relationships. Why didn't they force a fake relationship with one of the black women? I thought that was interesting as well. Absolutely. And I think the entire facade, especially in reality dating shows, is starting to fucking get peeled away a little bit. And I think Love is Blind is going to be a, a big part of that because it's obviously that show is going to be on for fucking ever. It's Netflix's biggest reality show. Mm-hmm. It ain't going anywhere, you know? Uh, yeah. I think we're going to get 20 seasons of it easy. And I don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to fuck with the game. And I'll watch them. Yeah, exactly. I just found <laughs> it very fun. And I, I started to see it in a very similar way to The Bachelor. Because again, it has that similar lie that it's all based on like, this is just to help people find love. It's not yeah. a game. And it's like, no, that's clearly a fucking game. I'm watching them play it badly yeah. at this point, too. These <laughs> these first three seasons of players don't know what the fuck they're doing, unfortunately. But anyway, that's my scream. I'm, I'm watching this other beloved game now. I felt a little bad about it at first, but then I started to see it as just an extension of The Bachelor. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. It is funny to feel like you're cheating on The Bachelor. Yes, <laughs> like, I agree. That's definitely a scream clue. <laughs> You're in a monogamous relationship with the, with our beloved game. Well, let's hear a scream from someone else who resides in the bachelor pit. This scream comes to us from user cancel the M loans Joe. Oh, cancel them loans. <laughs> I was like, what are the M loans? <laughs> Here we go. Hi, Pitt. My screen this week is how I managed to connect The Bachelor with the current state of United States constitutional law. I'm a third-year law student, and I'm also a teaching assistant for an undergrad First Amendment law class at my school. As I was reviewing cases about libel with my students, I came across a case that gave me instant pause. Time Incorporated v. Firestone. A lightning bolt struck me. Could the defendant in this case be related to season three Bachelor, Andrew Firestone? I used the opportunity to explain to the students how I'm obsessed with The Bachelor and how it is my favorite sport. Upon returning home, I decided to do some legal homework of my own and research family tree charts of the Firestone family. Sure enough, our dark season three lead is the nephew of the defendant of the case. I was stricken with awe in realizing that a player of our beloved game is connected to the First Amendment jurisprudence that governs us today. Not only is Andrew Firestone part of the history of our beloved game, but he is also part of United States history as well. I cannot wait to explain this to my students at the next TA session, further dragging them into the pit. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. I love screams when we hear from somebody who defines what their like job is. And I'm like, I don't even understand the words in that. Like, you do something that is so fancy. <laughs> Constitutional law, jurisprudence. Something. Yeah. I, I love hearing screams where somebody else is doing deep fucking pit work researching this shit. The Firestone family tree. <laughs> this was sparked by Cancel Them Loans Joe just hearing the name Firestone. That alone is insane. That's like some very deep pit shit when the word Firestone to you most means Andrew Firestone season three Bachelor of the First Real Millionaire. As opposed to the exploding tires. Yeah, but the fact that this information was uncovered, that indeed it was the same family only proves something we've been saying since very early days in this podcast. It is all connected. Everything. Mm -hmm. 
the NFL, the Firestone family, constitutional law. It's all the same shit. The United States government. It's all the same shit. It's all the same shit. We know that at this point, but we can't thank Cancel Them Loans Joe enough for this deep research, for this deep scream. And I can't wait to see what else gets uncovered in constitutional law classes around the nation. And I hope Joe cancels all of your loans so that you can keep bringing us this content. Yeah. This is a bachelor legal scholar at work. We're witnessing something historic. But again, thank you for sending in that scream. Absolutely fantastic. I'm going to have to start Googling this now. I find it very interesting. I already Googled it. It was in 1976. Oh, wow. (laughs) As Owen Wilson might say. But thank you again for sending in that scream. And if anybody else would like to send in their screams to hear them played right here in our Screams from the Pit segment on This Week in Bachelor Nation every week, you're just going to go to patreon.com slash Game of Roses. You're going to join us in the bottom of the pit. You're going to get access to our Discord where you will then submit a one-minute or less audio clip of your scream. It can be anything. We've heard a wide variety at this point. This was one of the most interesting, I have to say. I mean, the quality is always top tier. Like, I'm... I can't believe there's never any dud screams. Um, Speaking of our Discord, we will be, from time to time, we drop into the Discord chat, and we will be dropping in on Monday, November 7th at noon Pacific time. If anyone wants to join us and chat with us. Get in there, chat it up. On my favorite platform for talking about the pit and Pokemon Go. You know, I fired up Pokemon Go. No, you didn't. A couple of days ago. Yeah. Caught a couple of creatures and then I was like, yeah, I'm out. I don't like it. You're out? Why did you why would you even bring this up with me? Oh, you want to play? Why would you bring it up and then say you already quit again and get my excitement on? Oh, sorry. My apologies. I just thought it was a common interest. Something we could have a, another hour-long conversation about instead of the bachelor. But I digress. That wraps up this week of Bachelor Nation. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We will be back next Monday in the Discord at 12 Pacific time. And we will be back next Wednesday with a recap of next Monday and Tuesday night's big games to see the culminations of all these love triangles. What's going to happen to the young twins? I have no idea. Proposals. Yeah, they they both get married. But uh, again, thanks for joining us. And before we go, as always, what is that drawback? It has been 7,529 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 